1: This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch.
0: Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I really appreciate that you are tuning in and joining me today. I've got a great interview for you about digital learning and learning in the flow of work. Of course, a term that was popularized by the great Josh Burson, who I think of as the most popular man in HR. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Uh, I certainly follow him and all his thoughts on LinkedIn and his blog, and I uh, was lucky to have him as the opening keynote speaker at our conference, the Talent Development Think Tank, back in January of this year. Uh, Josh is not our guest today. He has been on the podcast in the past, and we talked about uh, learning in the flow of work and uh, what HR looks like today and in the future. And if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend you go back and, and check that out, as well as follow him on LinkedIn. Today, my guest is Paul Middleton, who has developed a really cool digital learning app, a habit-based app for learning in the flow of work called First 90. And uh, you'll get to learn all about his and my perspective on learning in the flow of work and how that app works when we get into the interview. Before we get started, a couple things I want to mention. This show uh, has been running for two years now, and we recently passed 100,000 downloads, and we're still growing. And I am so grateful to everybody who has tuned in and listened and joined and supported. And I just went and looked at the ratings and reviews on iTunes. And right now, as I read this, we have 97 ratings on iTunes. And so if you've been listening for a while and you have not left a review on iTunes, I would love for you to go over and do that. Uh, Help me get past 100 reviews. Uh, give this podcast its due. And I want to read a couple of the reviews to you today because I just hadn't looked at them in a while and just really some nice words on here. One of them is from Jimmy Rose, who I've gotten to know recently. And he says, great mix of ideas and execution. So many podcasts on the world of management, science and human resources focus on the meta frameworks and ideation of great thinkers. That's great. And I love it. But what I've really enjoyed about Andy's podcast is the mixture of people who do a lot of thinking and research and those who are in the day-to-day trenches of talent development. Vision is wonderful for setting true north. I also need to hear about the visceral experiences of my colleagues who are struggling to bring vision to life. Jimmy, thank you so much for that very kind and honest review. I really appreciate it. And I've heard that a lot from listeners. You know, there's tons of great theory out there. You can read a lot of books. Um, My goal for this when I started it was to interview real talent development practitioners, leaders, chief learning officers, uh, people who are doing it and talk about their real successes and challenges so that you can learn from them because we often don't get a chance to go out and hear what other people are working on. The second review I want to read from you is from uh, Paris's mom. I don't know who that is, but that's the username on iTunes. And the subject is here's one of my secrets to being a better me. Five stars. I had the pleasure of stumbling over this amazing podcast one day after doing some Googling on L and D podcasts. Boy, did I make the right decision to hit listen because what I heard was almost life changing. I listened on my way to work and had a positive influence on my entire day. I recommend you listen. Have a notepad handy because you'll want to jot down so many gems heard in this podcast. Subscribe. You won't be disappointed. Well, thank you, Paris's mom. And uh, Paris, whoever you are, you're lucky to have a great mom who listens to this podcast. Um, Thank you for that great review. To those of you who haven't left ratings and reviews yet, I'd love for you to jump on to iTunes. Just take one minute and uh, put in some stars and and jot down a sentence about what you've gotten out of this podcast. I've heard so many great things, and I'll read more of your reviews in the future. As I mentioned, we've got 97 right now. would love to get to 100. The other thing I want to mention to you is that this podcast has and is still sponsored by Advantage Performance Group, the company that I am affiliated with. Uh, We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning programs. We've got partnerships with thought partners all over the US with amazing programs. And lately, we have been running a a weekly webinar series. It's no pitch, no sales, just 30 minutes of great value, followed by some Q&A. We've had webinars on uh, the secret sauce to digital learning and learning in the flow of work from Paul Middleton, who is our guest today. We've had webinars on uh, how to learn while we're in uh, during this pandemic and everybody is remote from Julie Winkle Giuliani, who has been on this podcast. We've had uh, webinars from some of our other thought leaders. Uh, We've had one on multipliers and how to use multipliers during this pandemic. And we've got some other ones coming up. There's one from Brent Snow about decision making, one from my colleague, Christine DiDonato about uh, generational learning and the importance of helping our early career professionals take ownership of their careers. So if you want to find any and all of these webinars, head to our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com, where you can listen to all of our interviews and you can go up to free resources and uh, you'll find, attend a webinar. You'll find a lot of free learning journeys there. And one other program I want to mention is we do have a new program called Leading in a Moment of Crisis from our partners at BTS, and it is a two-hour virtual simulation that models this global pandemic we're going through. And so if you want to help your leaders learn how to lead better through crisis, uh, this is a great solution to check out. You can reach out directly to me, or you can go to our website, advantageperformance.com, and the information is right on the homepage. All right, I think I have talked enough Today, for you, I want to send you now to our interview, uh, which I recorded recently live on LinkedIn with my friend Paul Middleton, who I used to work with at BTS and who has now developed a really cool learning habit app called First90. Here's my interview with Paul. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast. It's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks and on to the episode. All right, I am live with Paul Middleton, who is an expert on digital learning and learning in the flow of work. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Andy. Good afternoon or good morning. Very excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on. Um, This is going to be fun. Uh, Paul, you and I have known each other for quite a long time, I think about nine years or so. We used to work together at BTS back in the old days consulting and uh, building and running workshops together, flying all over the world. Uh, Although funny enough, you and I, uh, we never worked on a client together. I don't think we even worked on a project together. We just kind of knew each other in the office and hanging out on um, client trips and things like that. But since then we've both left and gone on to do bigger and better things, uh, I like to think. And you've been doing some really cool stuff in this area of digital learning, learning the flow of work, like helping companies figure out how can they get their people onboarded faster, learning faster, using the newest technology? So, before we go further into that, you know, let me just stop and let you explain a little bit about, you know, who you are, what you do, and, and how did you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, thank you, Andy. I don't know why we never worked on a client together. Whether that was that was your motivation or or direction, but anyway, requested. I heard
0: you personally requested yeah. never maybe, to work never. <laughs>
1: But now we're working together, so that's good. That's um, So thank you for suddenly calling me an expert in this digital learning and learning in the flow of work. I think we're still learning, but I mean, what sort of the journey we've been on in the last four or five years was really, I think, motivated from the previous experience we had 10, 15 years before then. So when we founded First90, we were coming from the background of designing, you know, obviously with you, Andy, and others, really highly immersive classroom experiences. And I think what we observed was participants would leave really engaged, highly motivated to change new behaviors. So there would be that mindset shift. And then what we you know, obviously would always see, they would go back to the office probably the following Monday and suddenly find that they suddenly go back to their old habits. Um, nothing would really change. They really want to change most of the time. But, you know, we know how it is. Um, suddenly we're on back to back Zoom calls. You're, you know, obviously traveling on sales meetings, whatever that may be. And it's really hard to be disciplined and, and start to try new things. And so right. for us at First 90, it was how do we solve that problem about, you know, changing behaviors? And I think this notion of I think Josh Burson really led it with this learning and the flow of work. But it's ultimately how do you find those moments during the day where, you know, everyone has five or 10 minutes during the day? Even the busiest CEO has five to 10 minutes on their own where there's an opportunity sort of to penetrate through the noise and give them an opportunity to learn something and immediately apply to start to build new habits that will drive performance. And so for us, that was kind of the motivation was how do we get into the five to 10 minutes uh, during a busy day? And to, to crack that, we really looked at the consumer space. I mean, I think there's a lot of science around this, around building new habits, but the consumer space was the biggest inspiration for us purely and simply because millions of people are using apps to change behaviors, whether that's meditation uh, with something like a headspace, language apps. My stepfather learning Italian on Duolingo every day, five, 15 minutes a day. And he's now, you know, in 12 months, he's, I would say, maybe not fluent, but he's, he's definitely progressed enormously. And so I think there's lots of examples like that. And so that was really an inspiration for us is taking what's working in the consumer space and bringing it to the workplace. And that ultimately, I think, through that learning you know, first 90 and, and that's what we're doing. So in summary to, you know, it, it's about building habits every day that will help a professional increase or accelerate their time to performance or elevate their performance. It's all about driving performance ultimately. So, and identifying those. So that that's really, I think the journey we've been on and kind of how we approached it and, and how we continue to try and solve it really. Yeah.
0: I love that you started with the, the kind of the consumer perspective and what is working in the consumer space. And because you know, you and I have been in business for quite some time and you see how certain things work so well and get picked up by consumers. And then companies still want to try to force these other things on their people that don't really work, but because it's, you know, more secure or whatever it may be. And I always think of the great example. I think there was a big shift in the working world when Apple came out with the iPhone. Yeah. before that, right, company told you what technology you would use and everybody was on a Blackberry, right? And then when the iPhone came out, People started bringing them to work and coming to IT and say, "I don't want the BlackBerry. I want this iPhone." And so people started yes. doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I think about how consumer apps have driven even my behavior over the last couple of years. Uh, I use the Calm app to meditate every single day, and I never miss a day because I I love the fact that I have a streak and I don't want to break the streak on there. Um, yeah. I've long like tracked my steps using Fitbit or Apple Watch, and like a lot of you know connected with friends and had competitions about who's going to get more steps, which. You know, keeps us healthy. I'm I'm on a lot of different health and fitness apps where you can check in with friends and see what they're doing. I think it's really cool and it it helps people get really engaged. You just haven't seen that as much in the corporate space or learning space. And I I was curious as you started to approach that and look at that, what are some of the the mistakes or some of the things that you think you know companies in the corporate world have been getting wrong when they try to move to digital learning? Because they're you know for a long time. There's always been a movement of, hey, yeah. we need to get everybody together in a classroom to learn. We need to create some type of digital component. But there's been so many failures over the years. Like why, why is that? I think now is
1: actually, it's almost forcing people to accelerate to digital and actually challenge what digital means. So it's interesting. I think we're in an interesting period right now. And I don't think the answer is Zoom, you know, yeah. because... I think we're already getting burnt out on Zoom calls or Skype or Teams right? I mean I find you know the days are exhausting but that's the world we're in so I think I think for now if you need to deliver learning over Zoom if it's critical for individuals in the business it makes sense right it's it's an immediate short term impact solution let's just say but I don't think it's the long term solution and so I think some of the mistakes that I've observed and maybe it's not mistakes I don't want to sort of judge people but but observations that I've seen is is a couple one is we have an LMS We've invested in an LMS and we don't want any other tools. We don't want any more applications. We've got an LMS. Right. And so, my question to that would be that's limiting in itself. Like to myself, is like you've got so many end users that you're serving that you're limiting yourself to the capabilities of that LMS, an LMS that's designed for you, not for the end user. Does it have the user experience that is going to create that pull where people are? have expectations that it needs to be the same experience that I may get if I'm using Noom or if I'm using Expedia or if I'm using Salesforce.com, I think is very good in terms of user experience, right? So that's one mistake where it's this, we've got an LMS, I don't want any more tools. Imagine if Apple approached it that way. I think where Apple and the Play Store, uh, the Apple Store is very much where it's just a plethora of, of apps and the, and the consumer's design. There's no control there. And so I think it's no different if you're serving Ten thousand employees, hundred thousand employees, even five hundred employees. Give them the choice and let them choose what helps them to drive performance. Because if you think about, in the essence, whenever you invest in in any learning, the outcome is to optimize performance. Doesn't matter what it is. That's the outcome you should be driving for. It's not to learn something. It's the outcome is to learn something that, that drives performance. And so that's where it comes. Where I think this notion of digital learning. You know, being fixed on on one platform and thinking that can serve everyone. I'm a believer is give choice and then maybe have multiple approaches because I think everyone learns in different ways. So that's one thing that I've seen. That's probably a longer answer than you're looking for, Andy. But I think choice is really important, and we see that in the consumer space. And maybe pivot from you know, I've even challenged this notion of you know this notion of unlimited licensing and and like getting baked into a platform and stuck with. If we're inside a client and Users aren't using it, then I want to embrace that with the client and think, you know, something, we're not the right platform for you. I don't want you to feel that you have to stick with us if we're not helping to drive performance. And I think it's this utility model that it's ultimately, you know, letting the end users make the choice. The other thing that I think is this notion of taking classroom content and just putting it into a digital format. And we did that in 2000 with e learning. Mm -hmm. I think we're guilty of doing it today as well, where we're rushing quickly with all this classroom content, we can't deliver classroom learning, and we're just putting it into a Zoom format or we're putting it into a portal. And it's eight hours and we condense it down to four hours. And I would argue, is it delivering the outcome that you want? If you want someone to sit in front of a screen for four hours and absorb everything, great. But I think what you, you know, it's more about what do you want them to do with it? And so I would say, you know, as you think about digital learning, I think it's not about transferring a knowledge. It's about getting people to do something differently that will drive performance. And so maybe just think about, you know, is it weekly nuggets? You know, you don't have to use our approach, you know, in terms of micro learning, but maybe it's it's weekly, you know, ways to deliver something and have people go and do something and learn from it and then connect it. So I think those are the two things. One is not giving the end user who you're serving, your consumer and your business, the choice, and two, taking classroom content and just making it into a digital format, uh, assuming that you're going to drive the outcomes that you're looking for. So,
0: yeah, that first one is, is big. I think it's underrated. And, uh, last year I created and, and produced a trends report of the top five trends in talent development based on the hundred over hundred interviews I'd done with talent development leaders. And I led a session on that at the talent development think tank where you were in January. And, uh, yeah. one of those was e-learning at scale or digital learning. And one of the other trends on there that, you know, I think is still vastly underrated, which is cater- was catering to learners. You know, what do learners want? Giving them choice, understanding that everybody learns in different ways and not everybody wants to sit on Zoom all day, right? They might learn in a different way or they may not have that much time for it. So it totally validates that. And you said something in there that I wanted to ask you more about. You said, I don't remember exactly what you said, outcomes drive behaviors or outcomes drive the learning. Could you clarify? I wonder what you meant by that. I'm not sure what I meant either. <laughs>
1: no, what I, what I meant was, was what are the outcomes you're trying to drive for yep. whatever learning initiative? And I think what I was mentioning was, I always look at any investment that you're making in learning. You know, I think on the client side now, if I'm responsible for a population and I need to develop that population. So if we think about sort of talent development, what do we want to develop for them? You're going to make an investment, whether that's you're doing that internally or whether you're externally. The outcome is, you know, we talk about business results, but it's ultimately performance. You know, you want to optimize performance. And so that's the outcome you're driving for. And I think any investment you do has to be linked to, you know, is it translating into an improvement in performance? And whether that's as a leader, whether that's as an individual contributor, whether that's as a sales professional, performance looks different. But at the end of the day, that is ultimately, I think, the outcome that you're driving for. And so when you think about moving to digital... The solution shouldn't be, how do we take this content, put it online, make it digital? You should start with the end in mind. What's the performance we're trying to change here? I mean, what will help them perform at a higher level? And maybe it's not all of the content you've gotten in the classroom experience. Maybe it's it's only prioritize only a 10th of it and think, if we could get everyone just doing this, just think of the impact we would have. And so you start with, I guess, the end in mind and it's that notion of optimizing performance. So
0: Yeah, it's, it's so important. And another underrated thing, right? We think, oh, this would be cool. Let's teach people this, or I think they might need this. But we want to start with what's the objective? What's the goal? And even tie that into organizational objectives. You and I both have a yeah. lot of experience uh, creating impact maps, right? Where we start with what's the organizational objective? What do they want to achieve? Then what behaviors do we want to change as a result of this? Then what do we want people to learn? And then what are the objectives for the program? How do we want to set this up? Or app or whatever it may be to achieve that goal. It's not just about learning for learning's sake. You want to have a goal at the end of the day and then design something that's going to help you achieve that, those objectives. Absolutely. And, and actually, when we started First90, and, and as you think about our learning
1: approach, the technology is less important. It's more about the learning methodology or the approach, which is, you know, we give, you know, five to 10 minutes of learning a day, and, but every day we're going to ask the individual to go and do something during the workday that they should be doing anyway. And we'll give them a simple tool to go and perform that. So for us, our point of view around this is you need to compress the time between something that you learn and then applying it. Okay, so it's compressing that time. For us, it's, you know, you learn something, now we want you to go and do something today and apply immediately. And I think that for us is really critical. And I think that gets closer to delivering performance improvement. And so it's that notion of how can you compress that time from learning something new to now applying it. And I think a lot of the times with learning, we think about what's the knowledge of the learning we want and the application comes later. You know, and that's that's part of why we started it, because you would go to a two day learning and then the following week you go back to work. That time gets gone by. The atrophy there is, is enormous.
0: Oh, and, what hap- and what's happening in between all of the what's happening
1: in between emails, the meetings, all that stuff. And just- exactly. And if you think and one of the things that we looked at about, I mean, let's just let's just remove ourselves from talent development for a moment yeah. and look at other disciplines or other other activities. So skills that you want to develop. Obviously, I'm, I was a big golfer growing up. But like if you look at sports, if you look at music, even cooking right now. We've all become great chefs being stuck at home. Like every night I'm creating something new and we've explored both, you know, the cooking new meals, but we've also explored baking, which I'm not very good at because I don't follow the recipes very well. But if you were to approach any of those, let's just take sport, for example, if you had a coach, let's just say basketball, and I've never really been a basketball player, but you know, if you want, you know, you will evaluate your performance and think, okay, I need to improve three point shooting, or I need to improve my free throws, Mm -hmm. then you would need to go and practice those, right? If someone gave you some instruction to improve that, you immediately need to go and apply it, right? And practice. And that's how you'll build that skill. You wouldn't sit in a, you know, about and read a book on the theory of three point shooting. And then, you know, next week, I'm going to go and throw a couple of So I know it sounds silly, but that's how you master something or become better at something. And so why would it be any different? Like, for example, a new manager, I want to be better at giving feedback and receiving feedback. Well, you can read something and learn something. But the best way for you to be better at giving and receiving feedback as a new manager is to go and do it and practice in the real world immediately. And maybe there's a tool that can guide you. And that's part of, you know, when we develop these actions we want you to do, it's go and give feedback to someone who's not performing to expectations. And here's a tool to help you. You know, this is what I'm observing and so on. But through that, you're going to stumble, you may make mistakes, but you're going to build confidence and you're going to start to be stronger in that particular area. And and it's no different than it could be that that's, you know, giving and receiving feedback. It could be around coaching or it could be around setting expectations or aligning with your manager and where you, whatever it may be. But I, I feel like, you know, for us, it's compressing that time between learning something and applying it in all areas of skills. I don't think it's any different to leadership or performing at work.
0: It's so important because you lose so much just by walking out the door or the time you spend in between. I'm glad you went to sports. I think it's a great metaphor. I also think it's funny that you chose to give the example in basketball. (laughs) I don't know why. I
1: was thinking it was a little bit more general than golf, but I I should have stuck with golf maybe. Global
0: sport or, you know, you're an Englishman. I expect you to talk about uh, soccer or football. I don't know. Yeah. but, um, you
1: know, I'm, I'm not talking about soccer at the moment because my football
0: team who is
1: winning the Premier League is not going to win it because of the virus. That's a whole different conversation.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool. It, it's OK. I'm getting over it. All right. We're not going <laughs> to a lot of sports not being played right now. But if they were, you know, I, I get asked a lot about experiential learning and you and I kind of grew up in this world of yep. you know, experiential learning. We know how important it is. A lot of people don't have that experience. And so I always bring it back to sports or the military and say, you know, you look at elite athletes or the military, they spend most of their time practicing. They learn something and they practice it so that they get that, you know, cognitive and it, it kind of sticks in their mind so that when they get out on the field, they already know how to do the thing and they're ready to execute. But when you get in the business world, we expect that we're going to send somebody an email or have a meeting and tell them, I want you to now, here's our new strategy, go do this with clients. And then expect them to go do it without any kind of practice at all. It's just very interesting.
1: Yes. Yeah. And actually simulations, yeah, as we know, are powerful ways, I think, to immerse into whatever the, the area may be, to, to practice, to build confidence. And I think that's for more complex concepts. You know, it, we've always said the power of the end. So we still see classroom learning. And I think experiential, for me, is the only thing that I've seen work really well yeah. in a classroom experience. For us, you know, we're focused more on that micro. I think Josh Burson talks about macro and micro, and I, I kind of like that. And so we're focused on, you know, things like transitions, like I, I'm onboarding into a new company for the first time. You know, what are those habits that will help me be successful here? How do I accelerate? Or if I'm a new manager or I'm a sales professional, or it could be, you know, one of our clients with actually doing all managers and just elevating everyone, right? Mm-hmm. So it's more micro, but I agree with you. I, I think it, you know, for us, we want them to practice or apply as immediately as as they can. But I think simulations, yeah, experiential for the macro and really getting into more sort of around the strategy, I I see enormous value there. And that's obviously where we've learned a lot in our past as well.
0: This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as Creating a Culture of Multipliers, Gender Equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on Helping Rid the World of Bad Bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on Decision Making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, Calming the Storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giuliani, on Developing in Place, How to Continue Your Growth During Remote Working, and a webinar from Paul Middleton on The Secret Sauce for Learning in the Flow of Work plus many more, just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. I've got a couple of questions, but if anybody is watching live right now and you have any questions, feel free to drop those in the chat. I see a couple of nice comments from Joan King about the power of the end. I saw we got a like from your fellow Englishman, George Looker over in the UK, Oh, old uh, another former Excellent. BC actor. Yeah. But I want to go to this idea of learning in the flow of work and talk about time because one of the biggest excuses I get when I engage with potentially a new client and, and try to build a workshop with them as I don't, we can't take people out of the field. We don't have enough time. They're so busy. There's so many things going on. You led a webinar a, a few weeks ago for us called the secret sauce learning. And I think you led off with a, a survey or a poll about how much time people spend on email. And I thought it was low, whatever the results were. I thought it was like 90% of the day, but uh, I wonder if you'd start yeah. there and talk about this idea of learning in the flow of work, which I know we borrowed from Josh Burson, but what does that mean?
1: Yeah. So I think the email, I forget now what the data is. I think it was 28% of our time we spend on email and that was a study by McKenzie. You're right. It probably is low, isn't it? I think we spend about 99% of our time on zoom and then and then 1% on email and then there's nothing else. But I think the purpose of that was if you think about the flow of your day, anyone sort of, you know, working for, especially for a large organization, I see it with a lot of my clients, they're on back-to-back meetings they're on email throughout the day, and sometimes they'll have lunch meetings or, you know, working lunch. And so, you know, you then add a commute so that, you know, it could be a 30, 45 minute, especially in the Bay Area or anywhere really. And then you have the commute home and then you have family. So it's really difficult when you think about how busy everyone's schedule is. We're on 24-7, but, you know, we, we should be so much more productive now with technology, but I think we're, we're even busier than we've probably ever been. So how do you penetrate through that? So our view on this is if you want to get into that stream or that flow of work, you need to fit within everyone's schedule. And I think the, the assumption we have is, and I think we've seen this with a lot of our participants as well or users, is everyone has five to 10 minutes of learning. And so when we think about the flow, there's two things. We don't want to be more than five to 10 minutes of learning in the day. Now, for that, that could be you know a commute, It could be during 30 minutes uh, when you get to work before your first meeting. It could be while you're transitioning from meeting four to meeting five and you're waiting for the next meeting or sitting outside of a conference. It doesn't matter where that five to 10 minutes is, but that's what we're trying to capture. And then what we want to deliver is something that's very practical, that's very relevant to that individual. So if you're a new people manager, we understand you're going to be very busy. But what we're asking for you to commit to for you know, 30, 45 days, 60 days is five to 10 minutes of learning a day. And that's what we'll deliver. We'll then ask you to then go and perform something. So you've just learned something. And during your day, you're gonna be meeting with direct reports. You're gonna be meeting with cross-functional partners. And we're gonna find an opportunity for you to go and apply what you've just learned. And that's where sort of these actions we give you, an action a day with a tool, where all the challenge is go and do this, during your day. And so those actions have to be relevant. They have to be simple. They have to deliver impact, but they also have to be something that's very practical and relevant for that individual. So I think when we think about the flow of work, we're trying to inject ourselves into that stream and say, here's five to 10 minutes. You choose when to do it. And then now you've learned it. go and do X. And we believe if you do X with some support from a tool, you will learn by doing and you will grow but more importantly, it will help to deliver, I think, impact for you based on where you are and what transition you're going through. And then ultimately start to turn that into habits that you consistently do and become sort of a habitual thing for you.
0: Yeah. And I'm I'm a big fan of developing healthy habits for learning or achieving a goal, whatever it may be. I've been at a couple of calls this week explaining to people how I've gotten some things done. I mean, I've got a lot of health uh, habits around health and fitness, meditation. I already mentioned, I use the Calm app to meditate every day. Yeah, Uh, Having that habit has really helped me develop mindfulness, which has helped me stay a little bit more patient with two children in my house all day uh, (laughs) during this this coronavirus crisis, this pandemic. But also, I just finished writing a book, and I did it by developing a habit of writing a little bit every single morning, seven days a week. That's interesting. until I got the book draft done, I committed to writing 500 words a day, and that's what I did until by right the beginning of April, I ended up having 60,000 words written for the first draft of this book. And if I just sat down and said I want to write 60,000 words, it seemed impossible. But by developing a habit, a daily habit, uh, it allowed me to slowly build and get closer to this goal. Same thing with I have a daily habit of reading, which I'm always, you know, and I'm always learning things. I have a regular habit of interviewing really interesting people like you so that I can learn more about all kinds of different subjects. (laughs) Just a big, big believer in that. And I think, you know, we mentioned this idea of learning in the flow of work. Josh Burson talks about this idea of flow of work. Like there's not a really a separation anymore, right? There's just all these things going on, emails, meetings, Zoom, calls, whatever you go home, you're still getting work is still going on. There's not really as much separation anymore. It's really more about integration than balance. So how do you work that into people's day uh, and their week so that they're still getting some learning, they're still getting that behavior change that you want, they're getting the development that they want, because people really want that, they just don't know how to make it happen, right? Because they're just, they feel overwhelmed with all the stuff going on.
1: Yeah, I think integration is the key word, is how do you integrate seamlessly into that? And so it's an extension of what they're already doing. Or what they should be doing and and giving them some you know learning and then some guidance to you know try new things and and to to grow and build on things. But I I think um, the integration, you know, like let's just take the, the end user. If during the busy schedule you said, now we want you to go to a destination, log in and sit in front of a screen for 30 minutes, that's just unrealistic. You know, you may get some highly motivated individuals doing that, but for the most part, that's not really integrated. It's challenging. Again, it's You know, it's focused on knowledge transfer. It's not on application and and immediate impact. And so that's where, you know, for us, you know, I think there's different ways you can reach them and be integrated. We believe it should be an app. I think that's how people, you know, nine out of 10 people, they feel really comfortable and they don't mind having the app on their device if it's going to help them. Again, it's that pull test, right? If this is going to help me be a better manager or a better sales professional or a better individual contributor, especially as they go through transitions they're going to pull from it or want it. And so for us, it's mobile because it's where the smartphone is. Obviously, they live and breathe this. It's always in their pocket, even if they're traveling around work, if they're on the subway or whatever that may be. And so that I think is also, you know, again, how do you integrate? It's making it easy for them. And so that's just our point of view. I know that there's like text messaging and things like that you can also embrace. But for us, the most, I think the least intrusive, and sort of seamless is this notion of being an app on the phone that has push notifications, and they just start to build that habit of learning every day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sort of on
1: demand almost. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about the app that you built. And, you know, I agree with you. It, it, the apps, it needs to be seamless, non-intrusive. It needs to be useful. It needs to be goal-oriented. It needs to be kind of habit-based and something, you know, interesting and engaging that people want to engage in. So. Tell me about the first 90 app, you know, how you created it and, and how it achieves all of these goals for it.
1: Yeah, so the platform that we, we developed was inspired by consumer, I think, apps, you know, looking at the features that work well there. So, you know, there's gamification, obviously badges, leaderboards. Everyone's motivated by different things, but that definitely drives some motivation for a particular, you know, segment of the learners that we're serving. You know, there's a community. We realize that, you know, for those that suddenly as we help Organizations that are more fragmented or distributed, the learner loves to be part of a broader community and learn from their peers. And so there's a lot of, you know, there is a social element where you're peer to peer learning and embracing that. And then, you know, I think from the actual learning itself, as I said before, through the app, we deliver five to 10 minutes of learning a day. And every day there is something that you will either read or watch about a particular topic that we believe based on the path designed for you will is something that you should learn and know to improve your performance once you've absorbed that content we then give you the challenge the action that we want you to go and do and every action we include a tool a simple tool that you can use to actually perform the action but this is a tool that you can continue to use for similar types of actions but ultimately again driving performance and so you're guided through the experience so so for example If you think about, that's just an example of a a daily experience where you have five to 10 minutes of learning and an action, it builds on top of each other. And so a path is typically no more than maybe 15 to 20 steps that you may progress through at your own pace. So it's self-paced, it's self-driven. It might take you 40 days to complete, but each step builds on top of each other and each step is ultimately sequenced based on what we feel will help to drive performance for your role. So if you're onboarding into a new company, we identify what are those habits and then create those actions. And then from there, create that path. If it's a new people manager, which we obviously have have done a lot of work there, or an experienced people manager or a sales professional, or even you know a couple of things that we've launched recently, which is really leading in the new normal, thinking about leading virtually or selling virtually, uh, selling in the new normal. So that's really been our approach, Andy, or platform. You know, it's, as I said before, it's really embracing some of those features from the consumer apps. But from a learning standpoint, the methodology is really about, you know, building intention, content, taking action, and then really reflecting and sharing with peers along this path to, to build those habits.
0: Yeah, it's really so well done and and such a, a needed thing for organizations can you give uh, an example? I know you've worked with a few different clients over the last year or so in different spaces, an example of how a, a company has used this and, and achieved some level results with, with their people.
1: Yeah. So, so I think what we found is we've worked across many different industries. I think one of the examples I shared, an interesting one we're working with, is a distributed workforce. So with a large global retailer, it was growing uh, for a suddenly fast-growing retailer. This is pre now. We helped develop an onboarding experience for store managers and assistant store managers to onboard them into their role. So if they were an external hire or an internal promotion, we actually developed an experience, a path for each of those roles to accelerate their time to performance. So what were the habits they needed to develop to be a really successful store manager or assistant store manager in that environment around the customer, around the employees and around the operations? And so that's one example where actually where we launched it in different regions. And I think, you know, saw a lift both uh, in terms of retention, but also even in performance as well, uh, which was really encouraging and, and exciting. And so we've actually began to roll that out company wide. Right now, actually, with, with the same client, we're even exploring because no, one's, no stores are open. We're even looking at what we're calling fast start. So when they come back, uh, we're actually looking at designing an experience to re-onboard everyone, all the store managers, about what are the habits that they need to develop coming back into the retail world. Because you know, two months from now, when we start to open the stores, there's going to be a lot of, I think, challenges. And how do you create that consistency? How do you build the habits that will help them drive performance, given you know, obviously all the change disruption we've had? So, so that's one example. Another example where we've actually worked with a large global technology firm where we're helping all new people managers but we're also helping experienced managers. And so we've actually created two different paths, depending on where you are, whether you're a new manager or whether you're an experienced manager, but go through a path to build habits to help you be a better people manager. And that's partly of solving the issue right now. That's something we're launching as we speak, partly because classroom learning. And so what's their digital strategy to continue to develop their managers and ultimately develop their managers with the goal of driving performance. So that's another interesting engagement that we're working on right now, Andy. That's um, focused on really manager development.
0: Yeah, really cool, and it's interesting. I think you also developed something around this idea of leading through crisis as well as we got into this global pandemic, right? Yeah, we just
1: we launched four weeks ago. Uh, leading virtually in challenging times—that is a uh, an experience. It's a forty-five day experience to build the habits that will help you lead really remotely or virtually? How do you drive engagement in a virtual world? How do you ensure your team stay focused and uh, that there's that element of accountability, but how do you, without having that sort of informal pop-ins, how do you create that connection and ensure the team is collaborating effectively and driving towards the goals, focused and so on? And so what are those habits that will help you lead more, more effectively in this virtual world and for some people, it's, it's not new, but for many coming out of a HQ environment and now working from home, it's quite challenging that actually that that experience leading virtually challenging times has evolved to now what we're actually rebranding as leading today and tomorrow. Because what we recognize, I think is people are probably going to be working like this for the next 12 to 18 months. And so, you know, it continues to evolve. Certainly the content and, and I think even the habits that we initially developed, recognizing the world is sort of almost settled a little bit, I think, in the four weeks, and everyone's in a different place in that change curve. But it's recognizing, you know, the habits maybe you needed four weeks ago, most of them are still very relevant today, but maybe one or two, we need to just evolve. So we're constantly sort of looking at at the needs of what people need to effectively be strong leaders in this environment.
0: If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. slash community, and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know, and we'll see you there. Just to give a little value to people listening right now, can you give an example of a a couple habits that would be really useful for people to improve their ability to work and lead in these uh, remote times?
1: Yeah, so the habits that we've identified, and, and again, I think there's a lot of research out there to support this, but um, the habits that we've identified, one is start with acknowledging and dealing with the, the human side of change. Let's not think about how do we lead? How do we drive results? Let's have, how do we build empathy as a leader to understand that everyone's going through an enormous amount of change? And so that's one of the habits that we, we want to develop. I think in moments like today, it's really critical for the leader to have that, you know, to develop that empathy, to understand how people are, are managing through that. The other habits that we're focusing on is, you know, how do you create clarity on how we're going to actually get work done in the short term, uh, short in the near term? So really creating focus and having that right cadence as a team. If we're all virtual, how do we stay focused on the task at hand and w- what the deliverables are? And, and so as a leader, how do you create that clarity and, and keep everyone focused? I think this notion around some of the things, the habit around more frequent feedback and recognition. So in the virtual world, making sure people rec- are being recognized for the work they're doing. But you almost need to increase it, the cadence of it, purely and simply because we're all working virtually and you don't have those informal check-ins that you may do in the office. Maybe see someone during the lunch, during coffee, and you can make those informal comments. So you know, the habit that we're building is providing more frequent feedback and recognition. And then you know, I think you know, not only driving engagement, but also uh, the final habit is around becoming more proficient with the technology tools that you're using. So, you know, when you're having meetings and you're using Zoom or you're using Teams, you really need to model the way of how to use those tools and how do you change meetings to be more engaging? But also, what are the collaboration tools you're using as well? Again, modeling the way because you want people to using, whether it's Google Docs, whether that's Box, whatever you're using, making sure people are embracing those. And as a leader, I think that's a habit that you need to sort of become proficient and, and an advocate for those. So those are the habits that we've identified. And then behind those habits are, are actions we want you to go and do during the the experience, the 45-day experience to build those habits and become a, a more, a, I think, a effective leader in this virtual world.
0: Yeah, I love it. I agree with all of those. And, you know, empathy being really important too. You kind of started with that, with recognizing the human side of this change and what people might be going through. Uh, so important and communication really important as well. Yeah, so I think this is something that could be really useful for a lot of people. If you are listening, you're in talent development, you're interested in finding out more about this kind of secret sauce to digital learning and learning the flow of work and and even Paul's app, First90. Paul did a webinar for us at Advantage Performance Group a few weeks ago. Uh, The recording is still up on the website and uh, I believe we also have an offer there for uh, a three-step demo, right? Using the app as well? If you would like to experience it again, going back to
1: our, I think our philosophy around learning, if you'd like to learn more, the best way for you to experience it. So we've, we've developed three-step demos for the leading virtually, selling virtually, as well as a new manager, uh, people manager. So becoming a new manager on day one. And so we actually have three-step demos for all three. You can sign up for, I think, on, on the webinar where that is, Andy, yep. on, on the Advantage website.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So we'll put a link in the in the show notes, but uh, you can go to our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. And uh, if you go under free resources, there's a webinar section, attend a webinar, and you can find Paul's webinar called Secret Sauce. I put a link to that in the LinkedIn post, and I'll drop a link in the show notes as well uh, to that Secret Sauce webinar. We also have information about the First 90 app on our website. Really cool stuff. And if you are a worker, you're running a business or you're working in a company, you're not necessarily thinking about how do you develop other people's talent, but you're thinking about your own career and learning. I highly recommend, you know, we started with talking about the importance of learning in the flow of work, developing habits, regular learning. You know, I've been writing this book called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. And uh, part of it is about taking ownership of your future, preparing for the future of work. And in that, uh, I think it's very important to engage in continuous learning. I think we all need to take responsibility for our own learning and development, not wait for companies or someone else to tell us, hey, go to this workshop or, you know, attend this webinar or you know we need you to learn XYZ you've got to take responsibility for your own career and for your own learning and you know I hope this conversation has spurred that in a lot of people to think about okay what can I do every day to do a little bit of learning or if you lead a team what can I do every day to help my team everybody on the team learn something new and maybe it's an app like First 90 maybe it's just reading a little bit of a book every morning like I do, listening to a great podcast like the Talent Development Hot Seat or the thousands of others that are out there. There's just no shortage of resources. And the point is, you've got to keep learning. You've got to keep preparing for the future because things are always changing, and you don't want to be uh, caught with your pants down when things uh, when your job becomes obsolete. Anything you add to that, Paul? Before we uh, wrap up,
1: no, I think you summarized it well. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. I've in- I've enjoyed being part of your show today. Thanks for including me.
0: Well, thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate it. I, I love everything that you've been building since we worked together, and I'm glad we're we're partnered again on this. Um, of course. I didn't mention it, but uh, Paul and First90 are a partner to our sponsor, Advantage Performance Group. And so again, all that information is on the website. If you go to talentdevelopmenthotseat.com, you can find the webinar. You can also find uh, the information and the three-step demo uh, and go check it out, the First90 app. Paul, thanks again for coming on. This has been awesome. It's been great for me. Thank and you Andy. and for our listeners as well. Excellent. Thanks very much. Take care. Cheers.